today on Real Radio. We look around the world and the world is committing suicide. The world is drinking itself into oblivion. The world is depressed. The world is pursuing all kinds of external things to try to find meaning. And yet God's Bible, God's word says that there's hope in God, that God in fact is the very God of hope. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, with a message called The Christian Life, Part 2. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Christ, and he later became the leader of the first church. Now, there were times when Peter indeed failed the Lord, but learned that through Christ, he could have joy, even in the midst of failure and the pain that it caused. In part one, Peter tells us that while we're still here on earth, we are to live in fear of the Lord, not the terrorizing fear that the world lives in, but that beautiful and healthy kind of fear that puts into us a strong desire to please him. And just like in Peter's day, you and I have immediate access to the Father through prayer. Isn't that a great thing? And you've got a powerful relationship with the Lord, one of love and forgiveness, not being judged by status or merit, but according to our faithfulness. So today, on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that being a Christian is all about faith. It's not the kind of faith that you walk around aimlessly like we did before, but We've got direction. We've got purpose. A faith that's not based on ignorance, but on understanding the high cost that Jesus paid to save us from our sins. And now in his message called The Christian Life, Part 2. Here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Father, we thank you for your word today, and our hearts are before you, Lord. We come today, we have shoes or flip-flops on our feet, we've got clothing on our body that we might go out into the world and come here to church. And so, Lord, now we bear our hearts before you. We are asking you, Father, to instruct us out of your word. That is the Holy Spirit's anointing upon your word to us. And then, Father, as we leave this building, we ask you, God, that we would live for Jesus, that our lifestyle would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Father, that we would be such witnesses. This world needs to see the love of God, and they need to see hope. And they need to see faith in action. And Lord, we would say this morning, use us, Lord, use us. We are your people. We've claimed the name of Jesus to our life. And we believe that he died on the cross and rose again from the dead for our justification. We praise you, God, for that. And so, Lord, we ask you to use us powerfully, please. So, Father, be with us in the midst of this study. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. You can be seated, church, this morning. And as I said last time together, we were looking at the opening of this portion of Scripture that we've entitled The Christian Life. And Peter is encouraging us that the Christian life is anchored to the very Word of God. The Word of God, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, that it's powerful. The Word of God is like a sword. When the Bible talks about a sword, it's talking about uh, the Greek word makaira. It's a sword where it's sharp on both ends, both sides. It cuts one way, and the word of God implies that the Bible cuts one way and then heals the other. That God's word is able to go down 
into the very thoughts and the intentions of our hearts, our motives, and it begins to parse out into divide. God's word is alive. It is that powerful. It's what it does. The word of God is not of this world. I love that. It came down from heaven, given first of all, of course, by God, by revelation, of course, through Adam and Eve, and ministering and working with them and dealing with them. And then the Bible tells us that God was moving in the earth. The Bible tells us that he sent his prophets And ultimately, God gave us his revealed word. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit birthed or breathed out through people, through men. Imagine that. Through human instruments, God the Holy Spirit, possessing a human being, spoke the word of God. And we have this known as the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, God's revealed word. And I love that. You might be here today saying, well, that's your opinion. First of all, it's not my opinion. But the second thing is, Uh, which ought to be the first thing, is put God's word to the test and see if it's true or not. God's word uh, almost yells at you to examine it. Try to shoot holes in it. Try to see if it contradicts anything that God has wrought or spoken in the earth. Does it somehow contradict itself? The Bible says, come and check and see. It's awesome, the word of God And out of it, we're looking at some key things regarding the Christian life. Peter, in verses 17 to 21, is speaking to us about some key things. And one of those is, last week we saw that it's about hope. We saw that the Christian life is anchored because of the future, and it's all about hope. The believer, the Christian, has an amazing hope that you and I do not need to despair. We do not need to grow weary. We do not need to entertain the demonic temptations to give up on this life. We look around the world and the world is committing suicide. The world is drinking itself into oblivion. The world is depressed. The world is pursuing all kinds of external things to try to find meaning. And yet God's Bible, God's word says that there's hope in God, that God in fact is the very God of hope. We saw that three ways. Verse 17, in all three of these things, we saw that our hope is settled with the access that we have to God by Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he is our father and we're to call upon him. We saw also that our hope rests upon the goodness of God, that God is good. We talked about some of the biblical and I added the extra biblical evidence of God's truth. Not only what the word of God says to you, the beautiful promises and the instruction from God's word, but how nature itself speaks about the very goodness of God. And then finally, in verse 17, we saw that our hope awaits the outcome. The Bible says that we are to conduct ourselves throughout our time in this world, our stay. Remember what that word means? It means that we're just passing through. I like to be reminded of that as a Christian. We're just passing through here. This world is not our home, that we're to do so in fear. And before we leave off and get into where we Uh, left off in our study last time, I want to come back and visit that word fear. Can you mark it if you missed it? If you weren't here, circle the word fear. It is the Greek word phobos. Phobos is that word. Now listen carefully. Phobos is the word that would mean, for example, uh, do you have a phobia of fill in the blank? Uh, Do you have a phobia of heights? Do you have a phobia of of bugs? Do you have a phobia of people? Uh, Whatever it is, crowds, that is a negative uh, feeling. It's, it's crushing. It, it chokes you. And I don't know if you know what your, per, uh, your particular uh, phobia is in life. I, 
I, I, I'm sure, I think it's safe to say, I, I'm going to venture out here on this one. I think we all have some kind of a phobia or more. Would you agree with that? Uh, whatever it might be, uh, it's probably as diverse as the, as the amount of people in this room right now. Uh, some people have a, a few, some people have a lot. Um, and, and then it's funny, we're mean, you know, we're mean as people. For example, I'll just pick on me. I do not have the phobia of heights. I love heights. I love getting right to the edge of something. Uh, by the way, have you been to the U.S.? Is it the U.S. Bank in downtown Los Angeles? Have you been to that? You can go to that bank and go to the top floor up there, and you can go on that plexiglass slide that goes outside over the city. And I don't know how many hundreds of feet that you're up uh, above the ground, but it is, that's awesome. Uh, did you know that you can go to the Grand Canyon, and there's that plexiglass walkway that you can walk out over the Grand Canyon with nothing beneath you but plexiglass? <laughs> and a 4,000-foot drop. I just love that feeling. But I have a phobia of bungee jumping. I love the heights, but I don't like the fall. Listen, we just talked about it last night at my house. My granddaughter loves uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. You know that little dip it has? It has a little dip. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I never did roller coasters. I don't like them. But when you have grandkids and your grandkids say, Papa, will you take this ride with me? Do you know what you say? You say yes, and oh, it's just like, God, please have mercy on me, help me, oh God. And you know, it's just, I'm trying to keep from wimping out. Why? Because there's phobias that we have, and we have a tendency to flaunt in the face of people things that are not our phobias. Oh, come on, what are you, chicken? The word phobia here regarding God is the exact opposite, church. It's not to tremble at the thought or at the fact that we're going to see God. He's speaking as God the Father to his children. And the word phobos or phobia is to have a reverential awe of God for this reason. Listen, it is the pure basis for what drives our lifestyle as Christians. Listen carefully. The fear that we're to have during this lifetime stay as a believer in this world where we are the aliens means this, that we are to have a phobia about displeasing our Heavenly Father by our life's conduct. You and I are to be concerned tremendously about how we live our lives so we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a healthy, healthy fear. You want this fear, Christian. Just like a child does not want to disappoint their father or their mother. It's exactly like that, but magnified for the life of the believer. Listen, ladies, forget you're here right now. When I speak to men and the issue uh, comes up often and they'll have me speak on it regarding uh, pornography and I tell men all around the nation, if not beyond in the world, I'll tell men this. You can go to every course, every class, you can read every book that's gonna help you through this, you can do a 12-step program, but I like flying direct. Go straight to God, one step, and here it is, gentlemen, and by the way, if it applies to 37% of women today, listen, do this. Determine now in your life to love God more than anything else, more than pornography, more than money. Decide, believer, that you love God most above all things. By the way, you want to have a good marriage? Love God more than your husband. Love God more than your wife, and you'll have a great marriage. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. So listen, we could coach you on how to avoid porn, it's not going to work. 
What will work is an absolute affection in your heart for God. And that is what's going to keep you healthy and pure in this life. You will say no. You'll walk away from any temptation because you love God more. And we need to hear that today more than ever. Listen to this. I love what Dr. Wayne Grudem has to write. The phobos here used by the Holy Spirit in the authorship of the doctrine of personal holiness and sanctification describes the type of fear that is native to those who love God and desire nothing more than to please God. This healthy and divinely originated fear arises from the fact that the Christian is painfully aware that his daily living, uh, what's the word there? Can hardly read it. Possesses the threat of a sinful thought or act. Isn't that true? You know you're going to sin. We don't plan on it. But you wake up in the morning concerned, Lord, don't, don't let me fall today. Don't let me sin against you today. This fear is like but greater than the fear a child has against offending or disappointing their earthly father. That's a great statement. That should be the motive, is your love for God. So no longer fear the word fear when it says fear the Lord. Embrace the love of God and walk in that, and your fear becomes, Lord, I don't want to disappoint you today. Church, we pick it up. Our second argument now is in verses 18 to 19, and it is faith. The Christian life is anchored because the past is all about your faith. And we just started this, but we begin now again. Look at verse 18 at the opening part. We see that faith is knowing the method. Remember that? Knowing. Circle the word knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. And the word knowing is that great word of knowing something being revealed by great importance. It's been revealed to you that you have knowledge of something that is of great value. You're to know this. God is saying to you, dear Christian, I love you so much. Listen, your life, your future hope, and your faith dealing with your past God says, I'm here to walk you through that. I'm here to bring you all the way through. And it begins with this, knowing the fact that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. Silver and gold, according to God, are corruptible things. I love that. You're to be knowing this, the method of God's working. He redeemed us. Church's great work is the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, that he bought us out of the slave market of sin, that you and I, listen, we were chained the word redeemed is that word that we studied before, and it means that God, watch this, God saw you in the slave market. Now, it's hard for you and I to imagine what a slave market might look like. Tragically, tragically, there's areas still in operation today. It doesn't make the press. You can go look at it online. But did you know there's a slave market that is still active in parts of North Africa today? Did you know that there's areas in India where the slave market trade is active? Now, when I, when I mention the word trade or slave, you now begin, it pop, might have popped in your mind, the sex slave industry. That is something that is going on in the world. That is something that is going on in probably every community in America. Uh, by the way, we're entertaining and we're being trained right now to some degree. I'm being informed, I should say, about how we can host a class here on how you can identify in your own community, on your own street, uh, someone who is being held or being manipulated by the slave market. Did you know it's that prevalent in America? It's huge. How much do you know about it? 
Not much. But in India and in North Africa, the slave world is very brutal. Some people are kept in cages and you buy them. You actually buy them. There's children that you can buy in parts of the world. You say, I don't want to know that. You have to know that. Because the word used here for you being redeemed is the word that God, listen, God, as it were, walked down the street and he saw the vendors selling people. And for you, because Christ is your personal savior, Jesus is your Lord, he saw you. And you're chained. You are chained to what? Um, And I always pick on the extremes. Maybe I shouldn't. Forget about all the extremes. You are chained, how about this, to trying to please your mom or your dad or your brothers or your sisters. Or you are chained to the fear of man to whereby you're trying to make everybody like you. And that comes, of course, from deep insecurity. Deep insecurity comes from great hurt, great scars of the soul and of the mind. And you've been enslaved to try to have people like you. And so it's important to you. Um, this, this whole world that you and I live in is so geared to that. I don't need to get into it. Jesus looks at you and he sees you bound to your cocaine or bound to your drugs or bound to your a lust. And he reached in. According to the Bible, he reached in and redeemed you out of the world. And the, by the way, the scripture says, he dis, listen, he decided on doing that before the world was ever created, which is awesome. Notice this. He didn't engineer your slavery. That's something that you got together with in this world and you embarked upon either willingly or unwillingly. It doesn't matter. You were sold into it. But God knew from eternity past that you would be bound by it. And he himself sovereignly would reach in and pull you out of your personal culture, your personal world, the world that you lived in, good, bad, or ugly. He reached in and he called you out of it. And this is beautiful because the word not only means that he bought you, he didn't buy you to enslave you. Listen, he bought you to set you free by him being the master. I've told you guys before, but I love telling the story. Nobody, it doesn't get any press. Our founding fathers are getting black eyes in the liberal universities and colleges today. I'm, you know what? I don't endorse any college or university now anymore. I can't. They're just a bastion of making progressive people that are graduating with a degree unable to compete with the rest of the world. Instead, they're producing people that are skilled in Marxism or socialism in a communistic worldview. And they've, they've told our kids that George Washington was a wicked means uh, slave owner, and yet they never mentioned William Billy Lee, Washington's aide, a black man who Washington loved dearly, who at his death, Washington set free. It was written in his will and gave him half his wealth. Thomas Jefferson, there's a lot of news about Thomas Jefferson. But did you know Thomas Jefferson, against the order of the King of England, King George III, Thomas Jefferson demanded that against the crown of England that all of his slaves be educated and learn how to read. Did you know that? And he taught them so fairly and so kindly, but you don't know that. Of course there were slave abuses, and it's a wicked thing. But we hear a lopsided story. 
in a perfect way, Jesus Christ buys you out of the slave market, wraps you up in his arms and says, listen, I know all about the life you've lived and all that's been done to you. And I've, I've purchased you with my own blood. And, I, and listen, I turn you loose. Listen, I turn you loose. And in that moment is the Greek word employed doulos, or douloi, doulos. What does that mean? It means the slave that is set free by the one who purchased him out of slavery, turns right around and says, nope, uh-uh, no way. I am never gonna leave you. My life is forever indebted to you for having bought me out and bought me my freedom, and so I hereby will my will to you to love you all the days of my life. And that's the word that the Christian life is described as. Does that describe your life? Have you been brought out of a world that you say, thank God for delivering me that world, and Lord, I yield to you completely? Then listen, then you're a Christian. That's what it means to follow Christ. Secondly, verse 18, he said that it, it's all about direction. Faith is knowing the direction. Now we have a new path. You and I are, de- are so excited and desirous of eternity. We have a new direction. It says that he delivered us from our aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Now, technically, church, uh, let's be true to the text. Verse 18 here is announcing that you uh, aimlessly followed religious practices, not knowing what they were about. They were given to you by your fathers, and they didn't do anything for you. Traditions are beautiful, but they can't save you. He's saying you did all these things dutifully, but you didn't know what you're doing. He says God's delivered you from that in Jesus. You have a new direction. Before I move on to the closing part or the next part of verse 19, I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't want to violate any confidentiality. But very in the very early hours of Saturday morning, I, I received a phone call and, and quickly, I think within 15 minutes, I was at the hospital. And this was a precious saint of this church, tremendous brother, a father figure to me. And uh, <laughs> I'm laughing now because he's, he's okay right now, but here's the deal. He's, he's in the hospital, and it's great pain. And he wasn't saying, you know, my elbow hurts. He was saying, I want out of here. And I'm thinking, you just got here. I mean, I, I, the ambulance pulled up. I was standing there at the ER. I saw you. You've only been here for three minutes. Well, that's not what he meant. He said, I want to go see my wife. I don't want to be in this world anymore. I don't want to be here. I'm, I, I don't want, I want out of here. Oh, now I understood what he meant. <laughs> he wanted to go to heaven. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in a message called The Christian Life, Part 2. Thanks for joining us today. You know, our prayer is that you come to know Jesus in a very personal way so that you too can experience the salvation that he longs to give you. The Christian Life, Part 2. It's part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in First Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, Peter was no stranger to being attacked from all sides. Our common enemy, Satan, never sleeps. That's the truth. 
And that's why it's important to combat whatever you're going through with prayer, power of the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Peter only had the Old Testament available to him, but today we've got the entire Old Testament and the New Testament. We also have lots of other sources to choose from, but did you know that there's a trusted resource right there at our fingertips through Pastor Jack's YouTube channel? Hundreds of videos available, including Bible studies and what you need to know to live a victorious life in today's world. Pastor Jack's YouTube channel is called Real Life with Jack Hibbs, and you can access it through YouTube or through our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.